Have you ever tried to get in a gospel conversation with someone only to fail? <laughs> Actually, that happened the other day. Remember? Yeah, I do. So we were in line for a ride at a theme park. There was a really nice kid that we had talked to for a few minutes out of the hour that we were waiting around. And um, one of the last turns in the dark, damp, humid tunnel that we were waiting in line in. Humid. Oh, so humid. There was enough light for me to see uh, the Philippians 413 bracelet that this kid had on his wrist. So I complimented him and I said I liked the bracelet. And he seemed to be pleased with that. So I said, hey, are you a Christian? Yeah, he replied, yes. And then you asked him if he went to church and he said yes. Yeah. And then uh, the interesting thing was when I asked him, what church do you go to? Oh, because it turned out that we lived in the same city. Mm -hmm. So uh, you asked him what church he went to and cue the crickets. <laughs> yeah, he just he couldn't remember the name. He was like, uh, and then we said, what's the name of your pastor? And he's like, uh, what's his name? Yeah. And he told us he went to the church by the golf course and we couldn't really decipher what that was. He put his earphones back in as you said, oh, you can't remember. This is All Things, things together. together. Yeah, it was a, a little bit awkward. <laughs> Sometimes these conversations don't work out the way that we would like them to. But, you know, God can still use them. Most of the time, we don't see or hear the result of sharing or trying to strike up a spiritual conversation with someone. But sometimes we do. Uh, you know, there was a man who shared the gospel with people everywhere he went, whether he was in the streets of London, in the countryside, or even in jail. And it's so cool that this man is still sharing the gospel today, even though he died 335 years ago. That is a powerful testimony. And this man, John Bunyan, the author of The Pilgrim's Progress, is who we will be chatting about today. Yep, that's right. Today's episode, episode number seven, we'll be chatting with the author of Little Pilgrim's Big Journey, Tyler Van Halteren, who's done an amazing adaptation for children based on John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I'm just clinging desperately to uh, to Bunyan's coattails and uh, praise God for his his faithful work, you know, 300 and something years ago and amazing how it continues to impact lives today. Oh, and by the way, speaking of Little Pilgrim's Big Journey, we are giving away a copy from Lithos Kids. So stay tuned to find out how you can win. Also, we have a surprise we want to share with you at the end of this podcast. A surprise? Well, that's pretty exciting. <laughs> you were just dying to use that sound effect, I was, you? I was. We also have a brand new As Told by Littles podcast theater about none other than, can you guess it, kids? Yes, John Bunyan himself. John Bunyan? Yes. Oh, no, 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 not again. John Bunyan, you are under arrest for preaching in the public without a license. But first, let's talk about The Pilgrim's Progress. We have a whole family here to talk about this influential book. Troy, uh, when did you first read The Pilgrim's Progress? I remember in the second grade, so I would have been around eight years old, that uh, we read it in class and I was so excited by it. I thought it was the most amazing story I'd ever heard. And I even went to my teacher and I'm like, hey, we could turn this into a production. We could have, <laughs> you know, actors act it out and then the best readers in class can read some of it. And you wouldn't believe it, Melissa. My second grade teacher, I'm so thankful for her, let me take a whole afternoon to direct the class in making a little production of The Pilgrim's Progress. Yes, I was bit by the production bug way little. 
<laughs> that really doesn't surprise me. Uh, so what about you, Melissa? Well, I was 19, so a lot older uh, when I picked up the book. And it was my dad's copy. It was Old English. I don't know if your copy was Old English in second grade. It was an adapted version for young uh, kids. Okay, yes. that makes sense. Okay, so this was <laughs> the Old English version. Even at 19, it was hard to understand. So I remember uh, reading it with a dictionary next to me. If I didn't understand a word, I would just look it up in the dictionary with the hopes that they would have the context of the Old English version of that word. And um, so not only did I uh, read a great allegory of the Christian life, but I also extended my vocabulary quite a bit. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, I'm curious about our kids who happen to be sitting here right now. What about you guys? What do you remember first learning about Christian's journey in the Pilgrim's Progress? Um, our, our church used to have this thing called Kids on a Mission, which was sort of just like another Sunday school on a Wednesday night. And we would go there. And I remember we switched off with different things. But one of the things we did was read through uh, a abridged version of Pilgrim's Progress. And I remember learning about it then and then uh, later watching through like an animated series of it. And that, I guess that's when I first heard the story. And so, Jackson, as you heard the story... What stuck out to you? Did you learn anything? Did you were you able to compare it to the Christian life at all? I remember reading it and learning about when a faithful dies in Vanity Fair, and I remember that sort of caught me off guard. I was like, "Oh wow, he he died!" And I remember it was sort of sad, but then I remember the part where he was taken to heaven. How did that affect you? How that make you feel? Yeah, I guess so. I guess it was sort of sad, but then also happy. I guess that's sort of just like how. When somebody who is a Christian who dies, you know, it's you you grieve, but you also know where they're going. Yeah, very good. Thank you, Jackson. Madeline, what about you? I remember a few years back, our church made our own VBS curriculum and did the Pilgrim's Progress. And that was probably my earliest memory of hearing the Pilgrim's Progress story. So, Madeline, what stuck out about that during VBS? Um... It is a very, like, intriguing story, just telling about Pilgrim's life and then him becoming Christian and him going through trials but still sticking to God's Word. That's right. There's a lot of scripture in that book. Owen, what about you? When was the first time you heard? I mean, I don't—I probably heard about it when I was really young, but I don't really remember it, but— I do always like know the story, but I do remember watching the DVD, the animated one, and getting a little more on the story, and then the book, uh, Little Pilgrim's Big Journey. Yeah, what did you like about that illustrator book, Owen? Um, I like how they make it for a younger age, and like you can relate more to it, I guess. But yeah, I like how you can find like cats in the pictures and little animals everywhere. And the illustrations are amazing. <laughs> hey, thanks, kids, so much. That was amazing. You're, You're welcome. welcome. <laughs> the story of Christian is an amazing testimony, and we are still talking about this gospel influence of this book that was published over 345 years ago. So the first time that I heard about Little Pilgrim's Big Journey, Melissa, was on Facebook. And it was a sponsored ad for a Kickstarter. Do you remember that? I do. I do. You're excited. I was. And I became excited too. And the first thing that grabbed my attention were the drawings mm -hmm. and, and the illustrations. But then 
looking further into it, I just saw how it was going to be very gospel-saturated. Well, we've got Tyler and his son, Ivor, on with us right now. Tyler, Ivor, thanks for joining us here in the podcast. Yeah, it's great to join you guys. Thanks for having us here. Hi. (laughs) Yeah, and that was almost three years ago, I think, Tyler. Is that right, when you did your Kickstarter campaign? Yeah, it's going back. It feels like feels like a world a world away, but and we were, I guess, a world away. But uh, it's been been a pretty awesome journey. Yeah, I mean, you were in Cambodia at that time. You're in Canada now, your home country, but you were in Cambodia working as a missionary at a college, a Bible college. But you had this idea for Little Pilgrim's Big Journey. What what inspired you to to do this children's version of Pilgrim's Progress? My son right here, Ivor, mm. he was, you were about four, four at the time. Wow. I loved John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress, the, the imagery, the allegory, it all, it had stuck with me for years. And so then when he was growing up, I started to think, oh, there must be a kid's, a good kid's version out there. Started looking around at the time. There, there wasn't really, there was one from 1980s that was terrifying. And <laughs> I, decided, I remember that version yeah, well. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I think you remember that version I ever, the really scary version? There was one I showed you the pictures and it had really scary pictures of Apollyon and yes. skulls and different things, but it, it really scared him at the time. So I wanted to create a version and it kind of uh, intuitively, without much experience, was aiming it towards four, four-ish year olds. Four to eight year olds is probably the golden sort of age gap. And and for whatever reason, that went really well. It really resonated with people that, that there wasn't really a version that was colorful and um, quick and engaging uh, that kind of got to the heart of the gospel in, a, in an eight way. So it's been it's been sweet to see how, how families have reacted to that. Yeah, you've got not only the original Pilgrim's Progress, but then some people didn't know this, that Bunyan had written a sequel about yeah. Christiana uh, in, in the original Christian's wife, in your story, Christian's sister, mm-hmm. both of them have, have done so well that you've literally launched a publishing company called Lithos Kids on the back of Bunyan's great stories. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I often say I'm, uh, I'm just clinging desperately to, uh, to Bunyan's coattails and, <laughs> uh, praise God for his, his faithful work, you know, 300 and something years ago and amazing how it continues to impact lives today. It, it really is uh, astonishing. Ivor, tell us a little bit about what you like about Pilgrim's Progress. Is there a story in there that really stands out that you enjoy? Well, the interpreter is good part. Interpreter's house? You like that part? And what'd you like about it? How, like, he shows Christian all the examples of... Yeah, different challenges. He's preparing, preparing Christian for the journey. That's kind of like a like how pastors and Sunday school teachers help prepare us for the journey. <laughs> Ivor, your your daddy did this really special adaptation with these beautiful illustrations and easy to understand words. What what do you like the most about Little Pilgrim's Big Journey? Well, the pictures are pretty nice. The well, it's all pretty nice actually. Yeah. Ivor, have you have you met any kids that have read the book, and what did they think about it? Well, pretty much all my friends have have it, and at church once I saw it. So there's this little girl. She saw the book and she's like, "What happened to there?" Yeah, our church 
church, uh, they have a little book table and that they sell books at. And so there was a, there's a copy there and it was, it was pretty funny. She was, she grabbed it and she was very excited and she's hugging the book cause she'd had the first one. And I think she didn't know there was a second. And, uh, and then the guy selling the book pointed to me and he said, Oh, did you know that's the author over there? And then the mom was like, Oh, <laughs> Is that pretty? Is is that pretty fun, Ivor, to have people like your daddy's work? Yeah. Do you remember your Sunday school class? Oh yeah, they they used your book. Oh, a few people actually had it that I didn't know. And the Sunday school teacher used it, and then they were like, "Do any of you have this book?" You were like, "Actually, my dad wrote that." <laughs> that funny. Yeah. So, Ivor, thanks for sharing those stories. That's uh, that's really sweet. And I bet you, as you get older and you read the foreword, and I can't remember exactly how it's written, but that it's written for my children, mm-hmm. it's going to all the more be special as you get older, huh? Yeah, because that, that book was dedicated to you and Elias. Yeah, I want one all to myself. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tyler, what is it about John Bunyan as a person that has really inspired you? Yeah, he he lived out what he he his allegory in, in so many ways, and uh, is that it was an outflowing of his life. He lived as a as a pilgrim in this world, and yeah, just amazing to think of a man with the the backbone and resolve to to stand for his convictions and to be. An outcast in his society, be sent to jail, all the while being able to say, "I I will stop preaching and be released," but that he he stayed and even said, "You know, I'll stay here till the moss grows on my eyelids," rather than disobey <laughs> God. So recently, reading his biography, I came across the part where he got arrested, and I I found it fascinating that he was arrested for preaching in public, but then he was able to preach in the jails and people would actually come and hear him. I thought that was really an amazing thing of God's providence that he, his gospel was still being preached, whether it was in the streets or the jail, it was still being preached. Yeah. And it's when I visited Bedford, that was one thing I, that we came up, we were, we were actually in a hotel that turned out to be just down the street from his, uh, his jail cell. But there's these old images that were drawn of him standing by a big, a big window with you know the metal grates across but the sun shining in and there's kind of actually a celestial city in the in the distance um and he's sitting at a table and he has this ink in his pen but then when you actually view reality he was in a, a dark uh dank prison cell with multiple you know usually it's just packed as as many people as they can mm. get in there so it wasn't uh didn't seem like the most inspiring environment and yet he was able to to churn out some uh, of these timeless tales Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's really that's that's an interesting thought because you know we we always picture England. Those of us here in North America picture England with these pastoral scenes and you know green grass and green trees. Um, but uh, Bunyan he wasn't uh, in that environment <laughs> when he was no. writing this. <laughs> he was in a small like he he didn't go very far in his life. Like he didn't leave uh, a certain you know geography or, or an area. And uh, so we were touring around as they say, it's not, it wasn't the most inspiring part of England he lived in. <laughs> it was uh, it's one of the more plain, plain areas. No offense to everybody who's in Bedford right now might be listening to the <laughs> podcast. <laughs> <laughs> 
so and so talk a little bit about that uh, you 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 adapted this book um, by Bunyan you, you've you you kind of already were inspired by his life and then you actually got to go walk in the footsteps of Bunyan what was that like it was incredible yeah it was a uh, uh, amazing trip with uh, Charles Morris there from from Haven today and we did maybe in two or three days we hit every Bunyan site we could find so some very Memorable moments were standing by Bunyan's Oak, which is an old, uh, very, very old, very large oak that uh, was a sort of a secret meeting place for preaching. People would go out there to to hear Bunyan preach, so that was that was quite surreal. And then, uh, perhaps the most impactful part was seeing there's a statue of John Bunyan at a street corner with kind of heavy traffic going by him, a stoplight, but he's holding a book and he's looking out at the cars and as if he's continuing. To preach today and then seeing that how that's been fulfilled in such amazing ways through through the pilgrim's progress through his books continuing to to change lives today wow yeah that 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 is a great uh metaphor right there isn't it (laughs) (laughs) a statue preaching to the people today sadly many rushing by not even thinking about it right now Exactly. We well, the the guy who is serving us breakfast, we asked, "Oh, did you know John Bunyan grew up here? Do you know who John Bunyan is?" He said, "No." <laughs> wow. And and John Bunyan's statue is quite literally, you know, a mile down the road from him, and he has no clue who who John Bunyan is. Wow. Well, I guess in some ways, maybe that's a bit of of what you know your your books are doing is is trying to reach another generation that maybe you know won't have grown up hearing. Pilgrim's Progress or or the name of John Bunyan, but the stories still resonate today. Why do you think that is? Yeah, just those timeless allegories, the imagery that's that's really become, you know, even cultural motifs. The the Christian standing at the cross, the burden falling off his back, rolling, falling down into the, the sepulchre or the, the tomb, uh, the fight with Apollyon. You know, crossing the river of death, all these uh, powerful things. And I, I love hearing stories from family, like from parents who tear up during the books, but then mm-hmm. also from parents who say, I've never read Bunyan's work and this is my my introduction. And now we're seeing more and more parents saying, I've read this to my kids. I want to read the the full version, which is is so cool. So something that we really liked about Little Pilgrim's Big Journey is that at the end of each chapter, you kind of bring the kids and the family into a discussion with questions. We love that because there's such an importance, especially in today's age, for the family to come together and discuss the gospel, discuss the Bible. Uh, some people call it family worship. Some sing hymns during it. Some sing, sing songs. But um, why did you find it so important to add that and to include the family? Yeah, it's. Uh, I think seeing... Bedtime stories with with Ivor, seeing how that uh, I still have some vivid vivid memories of reading. Uh, this is the big picture storybook Bible uh, by David Helm, where we're getting to the scene with the cross where Jesus and he explains very very succinctly how Jesus takes away our sin, and Ivor saying, "Yeah, I want Jesus to to take away my sin." And so that was a uh, a good habit we had. Basically, just this every night we're reading some sort of Christian or Bible storybook. And that, me being sort of a, a realist, knowing, okay, we're I, I'm not doing family devotions at dinner, which I have some friends that are very good at doing that, or we have a hard time getting a, finding a time in the day where it's like, this is a great time to do some family worship. But it seemed like the that little slot before bedtime is always 
kind of a, an open moment because mm -hmm. the, the kids don't want to go to bed and <laughs> uh, it's a regular time. You're not busy that time of day ever. And so it's just a great time to pull out a book, read, um, and and then to have some of those those follow-up questions to dig dig deeper. I really didn't want it just to be viewed as an adventure story. I wanted the kids to try and connect those, which is the fun fun part of allegory, to connect. Here's this these things that have happened in the story. How do those actually connect to the Christian life in the Bible? Mm -hmm. And we did exactly that with the book, so that worked. And in fact, yesterday, uh, we were on a little bit of a road trip and our daughter Madeline, we were talking about the struggle of sin in the Christian life. And our daughter Madeline actually said, yeah, it's just like the Pilgrim's Progress. So it really does yeah. stick with them, you know? And that was really actually really encouraging for me to hear. Yeah, that's so great. That's so encouraging. That's wonderful. So Ivor, you've, you've seen our As Told by Little short films, huh? Yeah. What'd you think about those? Those are what'd you think when we watched those? Well, it was funny how they had like kid voices and Yeah, that made it pretty interesting. Yeah, we watched it. We watched the first one and then he said, Another one <laughs> And then we watched the second and he said, Is there more? Is there any more? I said, Yep. We got we got through Martin Luther, we got through Martin's Bride and John Calvin. Yes, they're very, uh, yeah, very well done. Now, thank you. Yeah, they they've been fun to put together, and it's always encouraging to hear from families that the kids often say the same thing. Are there more? We're so blessed that we've been able to do four, and we pray we can do more because uh, we know mm -hmm. kids and families are enjoy them. Mm -hmm. And that's why we yeah, we great. include the podcast theater because it's a little bit of that. It's the kids, the kids' voices still. Oh yeah, yeah, that's, that's great. And, so that's uh, coming up. That's coming up in just a moment here. We're gonna have a John Bunyan as told by Littles for the cinema awesome. of the mind. Mm -hmm. <laughs> awesome. Well, we are so blessed to see how the Lord's using you guys and and uh, growing you, and mm -hmm. we're just so thankful you could uh, find some time to to chat with us about our good buddy John Bunyan and his wonderful work, mm -hmm. Pilgrim's Progress. Yeah, thanks for having us. I'm thanks here for joining us. You say bye, over. Bye. Bye-bye, Ivor. <laughs> this is All Things Together, and we're so thankful for the friendship we've developed with Tyler over the last couple of years. Yeah, we really appreciate him um, taking the time to talk with us and even bringing his son into the discussion. Yeah, so stay tuned. At the end of the program, we're going to tell you how you can win a copy of Tyler's Little Pilgrim's Big Journey. But speaking of kids, our kids are still here. Do you think it's time, kids, that maybe we share our new podcast theater with our listeners? Absolutely! <laughs> I think that's a, an affirmative. Yes. Well, do you guys want to announce it as a family? Sure. Sure. All right. Ready? Here we go. Five Solas Media presents As Told by Little's Podcast Theater John Bunyan's Lunch Date Who could that be? John, could you answer the door? Sure, my love. John Bunyan? Yes? Oh no, 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 not again. John Bunyan, you are under arrest for preaching in the public without a license. Oh no, John, how could we face this again? Elizabeth, be of good cheer, my love. 
I'm just a poor tinker, but God has provided for our family through the last 12 years of imprisonment. I know he will take care of us. We are only pilgrims after all. Dad, what's going on? Who is here? Don't worry, Mary. I will be back soon. Come on, let's go. I don't have all day. I gotta get back to Ben watching cops. Oh, you in that show. Such a waste of time. You know they always get the bad guys just like we do. Bad boys, bad boys. What you gonna do when they come for you? When they come for you? Ha 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 ha! Ha ha! Bunyan's been a bad boy. Hurry up, Bunyan. We all have places to be, and we know you know your way to jail. Ha 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 ha! A long time ago, in a country far, far away was a man who had already spent 12 years of his life in jail for preaching the gospel in public without the permission of the official church. This man's name was John Bunyan, and he lived in a town in England called Bedford. And even though he didn't have a college degree, he was a great preacher, student of the Bible, and writer. In fact, he wrote many books, but the one you've probably heard of is The Pilgrim's Progress. In the mid-1670s, John was arrested for the second time after preaching the gospel in the public again. It was a strange time in Great Britain when the laws changed quickly, saying you had to have a license to preach. So he went back to the jail he knew so well. And you know what? He was able to preach in jail because it wasn't considered public. But poor wretch as I was, I really didn't know Jesus Christ, even though I thought I did. And I was doing things my own way, trying to earn my own righteousness. And I would have died in that state, had not God in mercy showed me my true, sinful nature. Hey Bunyan, your lunch is here. Okay folks, this sermon will be continued another time. Lunch awaits. Your friends are pretty generous with your provisions. They must really like you. Friends? Oh no, Mr. Jailer, sir. They are my family, brothers and sisters in Christ. My lovely wife, Elizabeth, often brings me provisions as well. Brothers and sisters, huh? Well, what did those siblings of yours bring? I want to check to see if they smuggled anything in. Let's see. We have a, a mincemeat pie, not my favorite, some parsnips, I guess you need to eat your veggies, even in jail. Ha! And what's this? It's a juice box, sir. A juice box? What is that? Oh, it's one of the many ways God showed me grace in this prison. What a treat. Okay, okay. Well, what is it? Well, it's exactly what it's called. It's juice in a box with this nifty tube to drink out of. And they were too. Would you like to share this lunch with me? Uh... Okay, I guess no one's lucky. That juice box does sound good. See, you just suck the juice through the tube in the hole like this. Now that is delicious. It is also really kind to share with me. Why do you treat me like that? I'm the guy holding you in prison. Well, because you are not just my jailer, you are also my neighbor. And the Bible calls me to be kind to you, you know. There was a time when I wasn't so kind to my neighbors. Uh, you? Not kind neighbors? I'm shocked. 
Oh, yes. One time I convinced my friends to ring a church bell in the middle of the night. <gasps> you rascal! Indeed, I was. And even when I thought I was good, knowing all kinds of things about God and religion, I was still rascal, but the kind that thought very highly of himself. So, how are you still not a rascal? I mean, aside from preaching when you aren't supposed to. By the grace of God, I heard a group of poor ladies talking on the porch one time. What have you thought of Pastor Guilford's preaching lately? Isn't God so gracious to give us such a faithful preacher, Mrs. Robin? Oh, Mrs. White, yes indeed. What truths he preaches, I am so thankful. Even though I know I am such a terrible sinner, I am reminded of God's grace to even me. I agree, my sin is the worst. I want to honor God, but my flesh is so weak. I feel so far from him at times. But even though my sins are great, my Savior is greater. I am a wretched sinner who has truly been given a new life. Yes, a new life in our Savior, Christ Jesus. It was as if those women were refreshing themselves with the pleasant beams of the sun, while I was shivering and shrinking in the cold, afflicted with frost, snow, and dark clouds. The conversation on the porch I overheard that day brought me to my knees. I did not know the God they knew. I was living a life filled with pride, only studying the things of God to impress the people around me. Such a rascally thing to do. It was then I realized their sin was the same as my sin, even though I have read so many books about God. I was a rich sinner who needed a savior. Wait, you mean to tell me that it's not knowledge that saves you? No, Ephesians 2.8 says, For by grace you have been saved, through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God. Whoa, hold it. I didn't know you'd be preaching at me. But you are such a good speaker. Tell me more, and tell me how you have lived such a troubled life even though you claim to be saved. You don't seem to be saved from a troublesome life. Mr. Joe, in times of trouble, we commonly meet with the sweetest experiences of the love of God. I don't understand it. Why are you so positive? How do you sit here, writing and preaching in this stinky, dark place? I am telling you the truth, the very truth that has landed me in this jail. This truth is the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. We are all sinners and deserve to be punished for that sin. But Jesus died for sinners, taking their punishment. And the reason I am so joyful is because I know Christ has saved me. Joy, huh? The world says happiness depends on our conditions, but you're telling me that you have joy despite your conditions. Well, that's different. It's no wonder people listen to your preaching. In a time where people are dying from disease and war and fire, you speak of a joy that comes despite all that. Tell me more, and tell me, what are you writing anyway? Yes, I am telling you, my joy does not come from this world, but from God. Oh, and I am writing a story about a pilgrim. Do you want to hear some of it? Let me get a seat, and 
are you gonna drink that other juice box? Ha, no, you can have it, my friend. Friend? Well, thanks. <clears throat> so this story is an allegory. Allegory? It's like a story with a hidden meaning, and it opens up with a dream. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where I was in a den, er, jail, and laid me down in that place to sleep. And as I slept, I dreamed a dream. And that's how the Pilgrim's Progress began when John Bunyan was in jail. Thankfully, he didn't have to spend another 12 years there. Bunyan had a famous friend named John Owen. Owen was a well-educated theologian and educator at Oxford University. He knew people in high places, but he would sneak out to hear Bunyan preach in the fields. And one time, John Owen defended his friend, John Bunyan, with King Charles II himself. John Owen, tell me, you are a smart man. You have more education than most. And yet, you listen to that tinker, a man who makes his living fixing old pots in pans. Tell me why. <laughs> Your Majesty, if I could preach like that tinker, I would give up all my learning. Now, John Owen didn't only defend John Bunyan to the king himself, but he was able to use his connections and got Bunyan released from his second stint in jail in 1676 or 1677. Scholars debate the actual year, but the good news is he was only in jail just long enough to write The Pilgrim's Progress. Bunyan, it's your lucky day. I don't know about luck, sir. What do you mean? Well, it looks like you have friends in the high places. The guy who comes to visit sometimes. That other Puritan. What's his face? John Owen? Oh yeah, that's the dude. He got you released. You're free to go. Oh, praise God. So, are you going to get that book published? Yes, sir. I want other Christians to be encouraged by the Pilgrim's Journey. Good. I'll get a copy when it's out. And oh, by the way, do you have any more juice boxes? Ha, huh, I do. Here you go, friend. Ah, thanks. I'm sure gonna miss your juice and your joy. Shortly after John Bunyan was released from jail, he published The Pilgrim's Progress in 1678. The book's full title was, let me take a breath, it's crazy long, The Pilgrim's Progress from This World to That, which is to come, delivered under the similitude of a dream wherein is discovered, the manner of his fetting out, his dangerous journey, and safe arrival at the defeared country. Phew, that's a mouthful. Let's just stick with the Pilgrim's Progress. This amazing book has never gone out of print and some estimate it has sold over 250 million copies. About Pilgrim's Progress, Charles Spurgeon once said, Next to the Bible, the book I value most is John Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. I believe I've read it through at least a hundred times. It is a volume of which I never seem to tire, and the secret of its freshness is that it is so largely compiled from the scriptures. It is really biblical teaching put into the form of a simple yet very striking allegory. We are so thankful for men like John Bunyan, who spent much of his life in prison for standing up for the truth of the Bible. 
His passion to preach the good news of Jesus Christ is still influencing so many Christians around the world today. This is All Things Together, and that was As Told by Little's Podcast Theater, John Bunyan's Lunch Date. We hope you enjoyed it. I know I did. I did too. The uh, podcast theater was produced and written by Troy and Melissa Lamberth. Our narrator was our daughter, Madeline, and she also played Mrs. Robbins. Owen played his namesake, John Owen, and Soldier 2. And Jackson, even though his voice is still getting deeper and deeper, he played Charles Spurgeon with that great little line there at the end. And we are honored to have our nieces and nephews play voices on this episode. Axel played John Bunyan. Lexi played Elizabeth and the Jailer. Aria played Mrs. White and Mary. And Austin Austin played Soldier One and King Charles. He was a bad boy, bad boy. <laughs> what you gonna do? <laughs> and now for the surprise, a big announcement. Big, big, big. Do we need a drum roll? Well, we could do that. Do we have... Um... <laughs> We can't figure out the buttons. So what's this big announcement, Troy? So over the last several months, we have produced six original As Told by Littles podcast theater productions, and we are putting them all in one place so you can listen to them over and over again if you so choose. That's right. Very, very soon they will be available on CD or digital download. To stay updated on those details, please follow us on Instagram, Facebook, or sign up for our emails on our website. And now... The giveaway. We'll be giving away Lithos Kids Little Pilgrims Big Journey on our Facebook and Instagram. Look for the post and follow the directions in the captions to enter and win. And this is a great value. This is a book that will last for a long time. It's cloth covered. It's got gilded gold edges. It's beautiful illustrations. You want to win this book. So enter, enter, enter. <laughs> and let me just encourage you that if you are enjoying these podcasts, we would love it if you would tell your friends and your family about it. Share it on your social media. Email people in your church. Leave us a good review. We're getting amazing response from people all over, but we would love to reach more people, more families like yours to bless them with this fun podcast. And if you are interested in supporting our efforts and sharing the gospel through media, we are a nonprofit. And what does that mean? It means you can donate and get a write-off. It is a win-win. So to donate and to support all of the work that goes into these podcasts, please visit our website, fivesolasmedia.com. That's fivesolasmedia.com. And while you're there, we also have short films and curriculum and stickers and t-shirts. All of that would help support what we are doing here. Plus, it's a great way for you to bless your family and to share the gospel. Well, I guess we've come to the end of our journey. See what I did there? Of yeah. the show. Are we about ready to cross over the river to the celestial city? Mm, I look forward to that day. <laughs> but no, we're but not it's not today. today. Not today. Okay. Well, well as far Lord as we wills, know. Yeah. This is All Things Together podcast, a production of Five Solus Media. And this is Melissa Lamberth. And I'm Troy Lamberth. Thanks, Thanks for, for listening. listening. <laughs> Bad boys, bad boys, what you gonna do when they come for you? When they come for you. And now can I get you to laugh like, ha 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 